Welcome in, everybody, to the Pro Football Show for this Monday, March 30th, as we're getting closer to the draft a month away. And, yes, the draft will indeed take place as scheduled. Got some interesting news that at least is being discussed regarding to the draft. We're going to get to that in a second. But a reminder that we're here every weekday bringing you the latest in pro football. We talk a lot about free agency. We'll get into the draft more and more. But a reminder, as we certainly will break down players and look at team needs and um, go into some details here, we break down draft prospects every day on the College Football Show. So if you're not listening to the College Football Show every day, you're missing out on a huge, huge amount of film room nuggets on players throughout the country. And the way we do it is we tend to talk about the players within the region. So, you know, today's SEC day in the, in the South, and we'll get, we'll get those guys. And it's, uh, ACC day, we'll do the same. Big 10, Big 12, Pac-12, we cover it like that. So you, you, if you haven't had a chance to go back and listen to, um, to some of the shows, get caught up. But a reminder that we're here each and every day, and we'll be, uh, and we certainly got a lot of news and notes to get to. Uh, a reminder also about our great folks at 401k Generation that are bringing you this podcast. They are the experts in financial planning, money management, they're who you need to reach out to in this volatile market to get a better understanding of what's going on, what you need to be doing, how it affects you. They can help guide you through this moment. They're licensed in all 50 states, so they can help you regardless of where you're listening to this podcast. Give them a call or give them a text at one 866 998 5879 Get yourself a second opinion. Get yourself a first opinion. Learn what they do. Maybe it's a fit for you now. Maybe it's not. But maybe down the road. Make an acquaintance. Get to know them. They're great people. Eddie Rojas and his fine team at 401k Generation. Again, licensed in all 50 states. 1-866-998-5879. If you're interested in promoting your business, we can help you do that as well. Just drop us a line, contact Chris, LandryFootball.com. We'll get in touch with you. Very simple. It's also where you can go to send me a question. Michael has asked a question about our draft boards, and we're going to get to that here in just a bit. But uh, we want to remind you about LandryFootball.com is where you can get the draft boards. We've got the draft boards up. Got the horizontal board, the vertical boards. What are they? Best overall players by position, best overall players regardless of position is the horizontal board. So check that out. It's a true NFL board. See what that's like, how it differs from a lot of the stuff that you see that's nonsense on the Internet. We've got the real goods for you and certainly are providing you a lot of the film room analysis on these players. And a reminder, if you're not getting this podcast off of LandryFootball.com, you can get it directly to your phone. And all you got to do is go up, go to wherever you sign up for your podcast and sign up for Landry Football's conference call and have it delivered to you today. But LandryFootball.com is where you want to go to get not only the draft, ball, the draft boards, the scouting reports, the news and notes, inside information, far more than we can get to. 
you got to go to LandryFootball.com to get it. So make sure that you check that out. So, look, we have definitely got the memo from the league office. The draft is going to be as scheduled April 23rd. Uh, Well, starts April 23rd. Um, That's not changing. That's a definite. So we're a go. And that's just the way it's going to be to much to the grin of some. That's just kind of how it's going to play out. Now, there is some discussion about what's the possibility of milking it doing two things. Milking the draft since we're still not going to have any sports going on in April. It looks like if you've listened to the news, I'm sure you all have. If you haven't listened to um, the latest, you certainly have heard about it. Basically, the shutdown, the emphasis on social distancing, the emphasis on not meeting and not getting crowds together and groups together and staying home from work and, you know, not allowing to go back to school. That's going to be in play into June, and then we'll see from there. So that basically eliminates us through the next month or so. And that's why I mentioned it when the league decided they weren't going to move back to the draft. It was because they knew that it wasn't going to do any good, that we were going to still have travel restrictions and whatnot deep into this. Now, there is some discussion internally within the league about, as you know, the first round is on Thursday night. Well, they were thinking about maybe doing the second round on Friday, the third round on Saturday, the fourth round on Sunday, maybe even taking, you know, the fifth and sixth round and maybe making it like spread it out over if not seven days, maybe five, um, it would provide some programming. Uh, it would probably create some more interest in the, you know, it would be a little bit every night. And I don't know how they look at it. Do they want maybe every night? And is it sellable every night? I don't know how the TV executives and the league feels about it. This is not something that would even be considered if it not for the uniqueness of this. So I don't know where how this would play out. Here's the other thing it would do. It would certainly help the teams in terms of decision-making. When you've got limitations in the pre-draft workouts and interviews, It'll allow a lot more resets if you had it to where it was almost like a round a day. No indication that they're doing that. It's going to be strictly whether the league wants to do that and whether the partners are willing to do that, whether there could be more money involved. You know, that decides everything. So stay tuned on that. I mean, that is a possibility, but as of now, we know it's – a three-day event, it's Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. That we know will take place. Could it be maybe just Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday? Maybe they do something along those lines. Maybe they take it to Monday night. I don't know. We shall see. But that's the latest, at least, of the discussions. Reminder again, check on LandryFootball.com for all the latest 
updates on the draft boards. And, folks, make sure that you check out the post that we've put out this weekend, finishing up, top remaining free agents by position, a complete position-by-position breakdown of each free agent signing as well as who's still remaining and who might be good fits around the league. So you got our free agent boards. You got our position-by-position grades within the league this past year. You got our our team-by-team free agent strategy objectives going into it, where you've got every player on that team created this year, as well as their free agents. Now you can get updated draft boards, who signed, what what's the meaning of it, who's still left, and see where the player grades and who they're still remaining. So you've got that. Now you've got the draft boards. Now you've got full circle of what NFL teams are fooling with and are dealing with as they're preparing for the draft. You get that same information. You get the ability to kind of look and see what's out there, look and see what's remaining, what the options are. So you got it all for you. We're going to get into some scouting reports, draft room-style scouting reports today on Isaiah Simmons, Jeffrey Okuda, and Makai Becton today. Some news around the league this weekend, free agent news. The Redskins signed Ronald Darby, formerly of the Eagles, to a one-year $4 million contract. Darby will compete for a starting job at outside corner, but he'll need to stay healthy first. He's been plagued by injuries in recent years, missing 20 games the past three seasons. Darby started 11 games for the Eagles in 2019 and recorded two interceptions with 11 PBUs at 26 years old. A one-year deal gives him a chance to earn a multi-year contract next offseason, which adds, and he adds much-needed help to the Redskins secondary. So this is one that the Redskins are to see if this is something that – that could get a long-term deal done as the season goes along. We'll see. The Lions signed wide receiver Geronimo Allison to a one-year, $1 million contract. Allison took a step back last year after flashing in 18, finished with 34, 20, uh, 287 and two-touchdown line while playing in 63% of the snaps. His 60 targets were third on the Packers, but Allison failed down the stretch. He failing to clear 40 yards after week four. Signing with Detroit allows Allison to stay in the division, but take an injury to get him ahead of uh, any higher than the four receiver position behind Kenny Galladay, Marvin Jones, and Danny Amendola. Uh, it doesn't look like the Buffalo Bills are going to re-sign Ladarian Waddle. This became obvious after Buffalo signed ex-Panther offensive tackle Darrell Williams. Uh, Waddle missed all of the 19th season with a preseason torn quad. The Ravens have been in talks with free agent defensive tackle Mike Daniels. Um, Daniels was limited um, to nine games, two starts with the Lions before landing on IR. He was one of the best run stoppers in the league in 17, but injuries have derailed him the past two seasons. It's possible that the Ravens' um, uh, Derek Wolf's uh, signing impacts their Daniels' interest. Um, 30-year-old Daniels likely headed for a prove-it-to-me deal. The Chargers signed wide receiver Darius Jennings. Jennings played in eight games for the Titans in 18, serving primarily as a special teams guy. Overall, he posted a 27-235-0 line in 28 games. He'll likely battle for a roster spot at best. Uh, We mentioned, I alluded to it, the Ravens signed Derek Wolf to a one-year $3 million contract. He can earn 
an additional $3 million of incentives. He started 108 games of the Broncos from 12 to 19. Injuries have been an issue with him recently. He still can manage to rack up uh, seven sacks in 12 games last year. He's graded as uh, pretty solidly last year. Um, he provided, provided some depth to the Ravens uh, after the Michael Brockers signing fell through, and that's still why that they're talking to Mike Daniels too, just because Brockers' deal fell through, and that's led to them jumping off and getting the Derek Wolf deal done. Brockers, of course, is re-signed back with the Rams. Uh, the Colts' safety, Roland Milligan, has signed his tender. The Chiefs re-signed Demarcus Robinson to a one-year $2.3 million contract. The deal is fully guaranteed. He set or tied career-high marks and targets, 55 receptions, 32 yards, 449 in touchdowns for the last season. He gained more than 50 receiving yards in just two of 19 games, making only a true difference during um, the game against the Raiders in Week 2. You won't see the type of volume that um you know um that with with the depth that they have at their receiver spot <clears throat> the packers signed devin funches to a one year 2.5 million dollar contract the deal's official it's been agreed to for a while includes a 1 million dollar signing bonus a 1.2 million dollar base salary a $50,000 workout bonus and 15625 for each game that he's active and uh, finally another 3.7 is available in incentives meaning he can make up to $6.25 million if he earns it. He's 26, but reliability's been a big factor with him. He's got a lot of potential, and we'll see if he can earn the trust and the money that comes along with some consistency in his game. The Giants signed Eric Tomlinson, the tight end. Sprint last year with three different teams. He's a reserve guy. The uh, Eagles exercised the 2020 option for Carson Wentz, of course, as well as Alshon Jeffries' um, option as well. The Broncos re-signed Shelby Harris to a one-year $2.5 million contract. Uh, Harris uh, committed in January to testing free agency, but got a little bit of a coal market. 16-game um, starter last year. He notched six sacks. Formed well against the run. Strong presence along the Broncos' interior. So you see the, the, the value. Wolf goes, got to sign a guy. It's kind of how this process works. The Vikings re-signed Dakota uh, Dozier to a one-year, $1 million contract. Jadavian Clowney, what's the latest on him? Look, he's looking for a deal that, you know, I think right now the deal is in the $15 million range. He's looking for 18 to 20. Um, He might be, he's got two options right now. One, take the best offer that he can or take it to the draft take it to training camp, and see where it goes. He's going to get a job. It's just he's trying to hold up for as much money as possible. So, I look, I don't think people ask him, when is he going to sign? Well, he's going to sign when he can get the money that's in his range or training camp, whatever comes first. The Raiders re-signed their long snapper Trent Sieg to a one-year deal. Um, he's been the long snapper since 18. Um the Broncos re-signed Joel Heath. He'll get more time to develop after being claimed off for waivers from the Texans last December. He's a four-year vet. He's been limited to three sacks and 34 tackles throughout his career. Uh, the Jets in safety, Marquis Christian, couldn't agree to a deal. He was signed to be the Jets' number three safety last year, but they're moving on after a delay, a delay in negotiations. He'll look to find a home as a depth safety. 
and special teamer. The Falcons signed Edmund Robinson, formerly of the XFL Roughnecks. A big week for XFLers as they were allowed to sign starting this past Monday with NFL teams, and a bunch of them did. Robinson was the 232nd overall pick in the 15 draft, but was able to make an impact early in his career with the Vikings. Solid showing in the XFL. Gave him another chance. We'll see what he can do on special teams and on the active roster. The Cowboys have signed Greg the Leg, formerly of the Rams, field goal kicker to a three-year, $7.5 million contract. He rejoins his former special teams coach with the signing. It's a great landing uh, for him, and uh, we'll see if he can stay healthy and kick well. Certainly he's uh, been a very productive player. The option, the Eagles also exercised their 2021 option on Zach Ernst as well. Simply procedural, but officially now done. The Vikings re-signed Amir Abdullah. He's been stripped of any offensive uh, role uh, with uh, since joining the waivers in 18, totaling 23 carries, 16 catches across 23 games. He'll continue to be dispersed on kickoff returns. See if he can do a little bit more this next year. Uh, the Dolphins and the Bengals are both interested, my understanding, in really quality XFL wide receiver Cam Phillips. Thought he was the best receiver in the XFL. Maybe one of the top two or three players along with the Panthers' newly signed quarterback, P.J. Walker. Uh, had the league high in 31 catches and 455 receiving yards, uh, nine touchdowns, and played in June Jones's offense. Um, so uh, we'll see where he ends up. Um, Bruce Arians has said the team's looking to add a pass-catching back at Definitely having somebody now that can see the check down and work the check down back is certainly important that you have a guy like that. We'll see where, you know, as a, if you look at it, um, Ronald Jones is there, but probably not the every down guy. Pey- uh, Peyton Barber is off to Washington. Um, you know, you wonder – Again, is Ronald you got to have multiple backs, so that is definitely a big need for the Bucks. Definitely an upgrade spot for them. The Bucks also re-signed cornerback Ryan Smith, suspended for the first four games for violating the league's policy on performance-enhancing drugs. Um, the Lions signed Elijah Lee, formerly of the Niners. He was promoted from the Niners practice squad following Quan's Alexander's tripped on on IR. He logged in 240 special team snaps across 11 appearances. He'll challenge Jason Cabina and Steve Longa for similar roles in Detroit. Uh, The Lions also signed Reggie Ragland, formerly of the Chiefs. He had depth at linebacker for Detroit that remains in flux. Bill's former number one, uh, the 41st overall pick um, in the uh, the second round pick, 41st overall in 16. He missed the entirety of his rookie year, but um, but his Cincinnati 160 tackles, two and a half sacks in a reserve piece for the Chiefs the past three seasons. He started in the Super Bowl, recorded two tackles, 26 snaps. He's a rotational linebacker behind Jared Davis. Um, the Packers re-signed Tyler Irvin to a one-year $1.047 million contract. He didn't boost much of their offense, so um, – We'll see what he can do, obviously, behind Aaron Jones and Jamal um, Williams and Dexter Williams. Uh, the Rams, as we mentioned, uh, re-signed or agreed to terms with Michael Brockers on a three-year contract. Can make up to $31.5 million. The Ravens actually agreed to terms 
11 days ago, as we talked about, but uh, it had something to do with his physical and the high ankle sprain that he suffered last year. That was part of the concern. So uh, the Rams know him, have no issues, and decided to uh, uh, to stack him back up with Aaron Donald and uh, newcomer Ashawn Robinson. So the strength of their defense got three good tackles. Their Brockers at 29, spent the entire career with the Rams after being their 14th overall pick in the 12th draft. He'll be entering his ninth season with the club. Um, Ravens go back to the drawing board, as we said, and and get uh, get Derek Wolf there. Um, Remember again to check out the top remaining NFL free agents, the complete position-by-position breakdown of each free agent signing, as well as who's still there, who can still help, what are the options. You want to check that out, and that's why you want to become a member of LandryFootball.com. Some miscellaneous news around the league. Um, The Eagles – are really internally putting a lot of pressure on J.J. Arcega-Whitesett, feeling he needs to take a big jump this season. They thought he was playing through some lower body injuries for most of the year, but he failed to take advantage of Deshaun Jackson and Alshon Jaffrey both going down, catching just 10 of his 23 targets. That's a 43% catch rate. And um, it's hard to get excited about Arcega-Whitehead after what he showed as a rookie. But with Nelson Aguiar gone and Jeffrey not a lock for week one, he's going to compete with Greg Ward for a top three role. I think his future is going to be pivotal. Now, this this guy really looked good coming out of Stanford. He's got a chance to be a really good player. Curious to see if things kind of settle in and drop for him. The Dolphins' Emmanuel Agba has been cleared for off-field workouts. Of course, he's got the chest injury, had the chest injury. He's been a setback free in his recovery from a torn pec, an injury that comes from a three-, four-month timetable. He was healthy enough for the Dolphins to give him a two-year, $15 million deal with a $7.5 million guarantee earlier this month. Won't likely participate in the off-season workouts with OTA suspended, but could be should be ready for training camp. Jordan Howard with the shoulder has confirmed that he's 100% healthy. He missed six of the final seven games and didn't play in the the wildcard round after a midseason shoulder injury. The Dolphins weren't scared off by his um, 219 season, giving him two years, a deal worth over $10 million. So we'll see what he's going to be able to do. The word is Michael Bennett absolutely wants to play this year. He spent the 19th season between the Patriots and the Cowboys at six and a half sacks in a sub-package role. There are rumors that the 34-year-old was considering retirement. Uh, he'll have none of it. He says he wants to finish his career in Seattle. He wants to play. So we'll see how this plays out. Also curious to see what's going to happen in Tennessee. Remember, Jeffrey Simmons, what type of role is he going to have? He managed to play in nine games, seven starts, despite pre-combined knee surgery last year, if you remember. He made an impact down the stretch, 32 tackles, two sacks, four tackles for losses. With Jarrell Casey gone, they're counting on Simmons for heavy snaps and him um, sitting around 30% mark <clears throat> after sitting about 30% mark as a rookie. So set up for year two to have a big leap. So we shall see how it goes. Some draft news. Look, there is a lot of discussion about where this could go in terms of Tua and who might be interested, where things might go. But – I think you can absolutely throw in the Jacksonville Jaguars as a possibility. 
Um, they definitely are interested in making a move up into trade territory. You know the quarterback's a need. They just got um, Gardner Minshew. You know, Nick Foles is gone. They really don't have a long-term answer that they are comfortable with. So I know that they have an interest in Tua. Maybe they got interest in someone else. But moving up is something that they would have to do, no question about. And we'll see if um, if they're going to be able to pull off something like that. Um, they're right there at um, <clears throat> at um, pick number nine. So they're going to have to move up. And obviously Carolina, the Chargers, Miami are three teams that clearly, along with Jacksonville, those are four teams that I think need quarterbacks. Although how badly does Carolina want to get into the young quarterback discussion with the signing of Teddy Bridgewater? I mean, what are they looking to do there? I mean, I don't think you can rule it out. Cincinnati at one, Miami at five, Chargers at six, Carolina at seven, maybe, Jacksonville at nine. That's five out of the nine teams that need quarterbacks, that need future quarterbacks. Jacksonville doesn't have one. The Chargers don't have one. Miami does not have one. Cincinnati looks like they're not going to have one if they're leaving from Dalton. And then Carolina may have one in Bridgewater. So, pure and simple, that the demand is greater than the supply, and it's going to dictate. But just keep them in mind. Uh, There's absolutely interest. Don't know if they're going to be able to get up high enough. They're obviously not going to be able to do anything, I don't think, that early. And keep in mind, too, that if you're Washington or Detroit or the Giants at 2, 3, or 4, you'd much rather make rather make a trade with Miami at 5 or Chargers at 6 because you could still get an elite defensive player at that spot if a team is coming up for a quarterback. At 9, it takes you out of Chase Young. It takes you out of an Akua. It takes you out of a Simmons. It might take you out of a Derrick Brown. So it's getting you a different level of player there at nine. A good one, no doubt. But the guy that you've got your eye on, I don't know that that would be the case. Let's take a look at uh, a few guys. We're going to take a look at a couple of those defensive guys. We're going to take a look at um, Isaiah Simmons and Jeffrey Okuda. But we're going to start off with Makai uh, Becton uh, from Louisville. And it'll be interesting to see how he stacks up how will people will see him in terms of the top of the board. He has probably as much ability as anybody. He's not as polished as a Jedrick Wills or Tristan Wirfs or an Andrew Thomas, but he has more upside, more explosiveness, rare-looking ability than any offensive lineman in this draft and in quite some time. He's 6073. He's 67 and 38. 364, 10 and 6 8 inch hands, 35 and 5 8 inch arms, 82 and 2 8 wingspan, 51040, 28920, 177 10, 23 and a bench with those long arms. He was just a three star recruit coming out of Virginia's Highland Spring High School. 
received more than 25 offers before deciding to go to Louisville, played right and left tackle in high school, in addition to center on his basketball team. He chose Louisville over Oregon, Georgia, Michigan, among others. The production isn't great. He struggled flipping sides at Louisville in 2018 and didn't fare much better in his true pass set situations in 19. He was largely protected by the play action and screen heavy offense that Louisville has and allowed eight total pressures across his 73 true pass sets this past season. Yet, he's got as much natural physical tools as I've ever seen. He is Bryant McKinney, Orlando Brown big, but with better athleticism by a long shot. Uh, He just completely ragdolls defenders. He's got power that is hard to really describe. He doesn't have to be that good to be that effective. He's still a work in progress in pass protection. He's a good kid. It's just that he's raw and needs refinement. But he's the largest tackle in this draft class and the largest one we've seen among the relatively quality prospects, that is. But I'm going to tell you something. He moves like a guy that's 6'5 and 290. And he's every bit of 364. Uh, he just moves people like it's, you know, toys. His hands really um, are so lethal. He moves people around so easily. Uh, he pounces back on the inside move easily. He flips sides, um, and I think that's led to some of the inconsistency, but I think he's left tackle ability, can lay right tackle. He's terrific at maintaining relationship between the pass rusher and the quarterback. I mean, you don't have 370-pound tackles. Um, you know, you know, guys that can move, it's truly really impressive. Um, he's never trust, uh, been asked to be in a true drop-back pass game. Only 73 true pass sets now. So we're not talking about a lot of reps that you can truly evaluate and translate into the pro game. Overly anxious with the punch, but, you know, he can be a little bit more patient. It's all teachable. He doesn't face much in the way of edge talent uh, after the Notre Dame game this year. But, look, this guy has really got some unique ability, and the football's in front of him. I don't think there's any doubt about it. I think he's got – some of the qualities that make you think he could be generationally good. So, you know, he started for 34 games for three seasons. Freakish, massive, well-distributed, long, thick, you know, strong, big catcher's mitts for hands. It's a waistbender, as you might expect. Get worn down a little bit. Um, there's just not a whole lot of guys like him. There's really not a whole lot. Um, you know, if you think about Colton Miller coming out of UCLA was six eight three twenty five. There's some similarities there, but to me, he's um, uh, 
you know, in some ways a little bit unpolished like Colton was. Um, so I think that comparison's fair. But to me, he's, he's a Bryant McKillie or uh, Orlando Brown type size with, with the athletic ability. Um, he's raw as a pass blocker, but he has the most natural pass blocking skills, footwork of any of the offensive linemen uh, in this draft. So it'll be interesting to see. Uh, he played left tackle for Lauren Johnson at Highland Springs High, uh, and, and he was, uh, again, a really uh, late-developing player that just got better and better and got a lot of big offers before it was all said and done. But really, really intriguing and unique prospect without a doubt. Isaiah Simmons, intriguing guy. Uh, Maybe the most complete and unique defensive player in this draft. Uh, if you look at what he can do and where he can line up, uh, it's endless. First of all, when you look at him and size him up, he's 6035, 238, 9 and 5-inch hands, 33 and 38 inch arms, 81 and 7-8 inch wingspan, 43940. 25420, 20 in the bench, 39 in the vertical, 11 in the broad jump. Just an incredible specimen. No question about that. Um, played wide receiver and defensive back at Olaf North High School in Kansas. Was a unique athlete from get go. He had. 82 receptions for 815 yards and nine touchdowns on the offensive end and added 95 tackles and eight passes defended and two interceptions on defense. 6'3", 205-pound safety. He was a three-star kid, 11 offers, um, Clemson and Michigan, Nebraska, Missouri, a state champion in the long jump in 14 and 15. Uh, 23 was his career best jump. Uh, one of the more unique defensive prospects to enter the draft in recent years. <clears throat> After redshirting in 16, he played 274 snaps during the 17 season, primarily at safety. He graded above 75% as a run defender. 18, he came around, and it was his time to really focus on playing the slot. <clears throat> Pardon me, he played 449 out of his 784 defensive snaps in those alignments. Excelled during the 18 season with an overall grade of 89 Allowed a passer rating of 81.5 and and making 35 defensive stops on the year. This past season, 19, was a test to see if he can play every position on defense. He passed it. He played 100 or more snaps at edge defender, linebacker, strong safety, free safety, slot corner, all while grading out as an above 80 run defender, tackler, pass rusher, and coverage guy. Versatility is calling card. You can't. Go wrong with where you line them up. But I'm just going to say this. The team that needs to take them needs to be creative. It makes no sense to take a guy like this and play him in one spot. He has the instincts and the ability to use to be utilized in different ways. And if you don't, you're missing out on it. It's kind of like taking a great receiver on offense that has the ability to play in the slot, has the ability to play the X, has the ability to play uh, the why, and you don't move him, you keep him in one spot, you make him easier to be targeted defensively. Why do that? Use him, motion him, get him isolated. Take this guy defensively. Put him in the slot. Blitz him. Put him in coverage. He can do all of that. If you're going to play him in one spot, he'll do well. 
but he's just a really, really good player. You use him in a multitude of spots. If you're a creative defender, you got a chance to have a great player that can absolutely do things that you don't really see very often. Um, Comps. He is a bigger Levante David. Um, it, it, you know, bigger Thomas Davis. Elite athletic traits. He plays and moves a lot like Derwin James. So, I mean, that's kind of the visual of what he is. Lined up in the slot 262 times this year. Defensive line 116. In the box 299 times. And at free safety 132 times. Speed, explosiveness, length, versatility. Um, just incredible. Um, he, he's, he could play and cover guys almost at a cornerback level. He's that athletic and that fluid. He manned up against slot receivers and held his own. He's got makeup speed to run with anyone and chase him down the field. He's got the ability to flip those hips, and he's difficult to see a tight end ever beating this guy. You want to find the guy that can match up with the elite tight ends. Who's going to line up against that guy? This is the guy. This is the Travis Kelsey. This is the George Kittle. This is what you're looking at on the defensive side of the ball. This is George Kittle. This is Travis Kelsey. This is the elite tight end that you're looking for on the defensive side to cover these guys. Height, wingspan, really control the passing lanes. Great at breaking up passes down the middle of the field. Reacts to throws underneath very, very quickly. Sideline to sideline coverability. Um, so good at defending the screen. So good. Uh, when he's guarding the slot, he's so good at defending the screen. Wide receivers couldn't take him one-on-one. Built like a safety, then a linebacker. Um, plays high coverage in space. You know, um, some balance issues at times, change direction issues, but... Um, you know, uh, doesn't really take on blocks. Not how you want to play him, but the length gives him room, room for errors as a tackler, but, but he can overrun the ball carrier at times. But when I say special, this guy's got special qualities. Um, Modern-day multi-dimensional weapons with speed and explosiveness and edge rush and sideline range and safety, nickel, slot cover, um Blitzer, outside rusher, instincts. Uh, Just not a thumper. Not a guy that's going to be a thumper. And still new to playing linebacker. So the place where you're going to play him probably the most, he's played the the least. Um, His zone coverage awareness is exceptionable, um, you know, uh, in terms of range. But he can be baited at times. Um, He's been over-aggressive. Versatility. If you're going to use them in one spot and you're going to see them, you may not be as high on your board. That's the only thing. This guy's a great talent. Um, This is a guy that does everything that you're looking for, and he's the best 
pass coverage linebacker I've seen in a long, long time. And finally, Jeffrey Okuda. Um, certainly a guy that we expect to go probably third to Detroit, depending on how things may go trade-wise. Um, certainly somebody that you think they would like. Um, you know, certainly the guy that reminds you a lot of Darius Slay. Uh, maybe the guy that's going to replace Darius Slay. We'll see. We'll see how that plays out. But when you take a look at Jeffrey, he's 9 and one eight inch hands, 32 and five eight inch arms, 78 and five eight inch wingspan, 448 in the 40. Uh, 11 in the bench press, 41, I said 41 in the vertical, 11, 3 in the broad jump, incredible athlete, 6'1", kid, 190 coming out of high school, Texas, South Grand Prairie High School in 17, five-star cornerback, 34 offers coming out. Florida State, Ohio State, Georgia, Oklahoma, committed to Ohio State. Recorded the second highest grade during the Nike testing ratings since they've started those things at the high school level. Uh, He's always been in that 41-inch plus vertical jump range, and he's always been in the sub-4540 yard. He's increased his snap count in each of his three seasons at Ohio State going from 215 snaps as a freshman in 17 to 692 in 19. Average cover grade following the similar progression was 62 uh, as a freshman to 85 as a junior last year. And if you look at the last two seasons over that stretch, he has allowed just 45 of 106 passes into his coverage to be completed. Those targets have yielded opposing quarterbacks a passer rating of only 52.9. He hasn't allowed more than 50 yards receiving in any of the 27 games he's played over that stretch either. You're not going to find much more impressive numbers than that. He can do it all as a cover guy. Um, Got a high floor, but a high ceiling. He's been tested for a number of years, passed him with flying colors, great ball skills in his three picks this past season, plus length, Size, speed, agility, hips, change of direction. Can play any style, any scheme. Um, he's better than Aqib Talib coming out of Kansas. He's a Darius Slay type guy with ideal size and length. Can execute any coverage you've asked of him. Exceptional feel for, uh, for a large corner. Rare to see him slip or stumble on tape. Jolts wide receivers and press, packs a punch, immediately closes space between him and wide receiver, not content, running on the back hip, no fear of getting beep deep. Longest completion allowed last year is 28. Um, you know, his ball tracking skills are not great. They're adequate. Um still lost at the catch point more than you'd like, not a completely shut down. Needlessly physical down the field, tend to be a little bit grabby. But what a great talent. I mean, what a great, great talent this guy is. Um, just so light on his feet, so aggressive, springs out of his pedal. Football IQ's good. Uh, you know, just awareness is pretty good. Um, again, 
Not a lot of intercept production. Not a great tackler. But to me, a Darius Slay, Aqib Tlaib, elite athletes. Um, if he had better hands, he'd be playing receiver. He's a lockdown corner, sturdily built. Um, so I, I think an outstanding player, top five player in this draft. So that's a look at three guys, and we'll do this again every day uh, on more and more players. So check it out. And reminder to get more film room analysis and film room nuggets. You need to go to LandryFootball.com, but you also need to listen to the college podcast each and every day as we're bringing you that more and more every day on the college podcast with within the region. So you want to make sure that you take advantage of that. Also want to get to a question that was sent in by Michael who says, uh, thanks for the draft boards coming out this week. Like always interested to see where you have you put the guys. Wondering if I may run a question, term nickel and dime backer. Does this refer to the true linebacker position in nickel and dime defense, a linebacker with more coverage ability? Yes, it, it's a guy that has that can play in nickel and in dime, meaning you don't have to take them out. Um, you're playing in nickel and you're playing in dime. You're playing in coverage. Now, some guys in dime, they take all their backers out. But a guy like an Isaiah T- Simmons is going to be on the field and, you know, be playing be playing in those, those uh, packages. So it, it's – and if you look at it, sometimes a guy is just a nickel backer, meaning he's just a coverage guy and he's not a guy that's going to be effective on early downs, but he's effective on nickel. Some – the other guys are more complete guys – obviously play in a three-down role where they can also play in nickel. And the reason why there's such a differenti- uh, differentiation is we know third down is how you build teams around the league. It's the most important down in football. So the ability to play that is so, so very important. Um want to thank the folks at 401K Generation again for bringing to this podcast and would encourage you to check in with them during this very difficult time and investments and worrying about your portfolios. Give them a call. Give them a question. They're the experts in financial planning, and they can help you today. 1-866-998-5879 is the number to call um, or text. And they're licensed in all 50 states, so they can be of help with you, of help with you on any of your financial questions, regardless of where you're listening to this podcast in the continental United States. So give them a call today. Uh, send us a question. Drop us a line over at LandryFootball.com. If you have one, we'll address it right here. Make sure that you're listening to the college podcast each and every day as well. And you can do that by signing up for Landry Football's conference call wherever you get your podcast. And it goes right to your phone. Speaking of LandryFootball.com is where you go to get much more detailed information how the draft board looks, who's ready to wear, the scouting reports on those guys, free agent boards, updates on free agent scouting reports, you name it, news and notes, who's, what's going on, what people are saying behind the scenes. We got it all for you at LandryFootball.com. So take advantage of it today, will you? It's the best offer that we've ever had. For less than $5 a month, you can get access to your own scouting department. You can try it out for a month, three months, whatever the case may be. But check it out. You won't be disappointed. So make sure you're listening to this podcast. Flip on over to our college podcast 
And uh, check us out tomorrow. We'll have a fresh new program, ACC football and beyond on the college level. We've got the SEC football and beyond up right now, uh, as well as another edition, the Tuesday edition of the Pro Football Show. We got it all for you here, college football, the NFL, from recruiting to the draft to free agency. We've got it all for you. I know it's a tough time. No sports are going on, but in football, we are so busy with draft preparation, with free agency. We got it all for you at LandryFootball.com. Let us be your guide. Get it straight from a veteran coach, scout, um, the staff of guys. We've been, I've been in this business as a coach or scout in the NFL, run the combine for now over 30 years. Work with NFL teams as a consultant. No one can say that and do that. Um, We've got a different perspective. That's why our website is different, and it gives you a unique perspective that others cannot provide to you unless you've been there. So appreciate you joining us. Check us out again tomorrow. So long, everybody. (laughs) 